Good afternoon, everyone. I'm here with Dr. Hinshaw, Alberta's Chief Medical Officer of Health, for a weekly update on COVID-19 in the province. It's our first update of the spring. It's a hopeful time as we continue to return to a more normal life. But we need to acknowledge that COVID-19 remains with us and the health system is still under significant pressure. More workers are returning to in-person, to their workplaces. Families are revisiting spring break traditions and Albertans are getting back to the routines they had pre-pandemic. There is no question that COVID is still with us, but as time passes, we continue to see the impact is less than it has been in the past. And our health system continues to recover from the fifth wave of COVID. Looking at hospitalization numbers today, there are 956 people in hospital with COVID-19, including 56 in ICU. Like most of our numbers, hospitalizations can fluctuate from day to day, but I'm pleased to report that hospitalizations due to COVID continue to drop slowly but surely. I'm also pleased to report that COVID-19 outbreaks in hospitals have fallen significantly since the peak in mid-February. At the peak, 38 acute care facilities had active outbreaks. And as of Monday, March 21st, only 11 facilities reported active outbreaks with minimal impact on patients. I know this is a relief to patients, families, and staff. And the system is nearly back to normal surgery volumes. Approximately 96% of average weekly volume volumes in pre-pandemic years. Our surgical wait list is stable at around 76,350 this week, compared to approximately 78,400 at the beginning of last month. Now, for context, the wait list was 68,000 in February of 2020 before the pandemic, and at its peak, after the fourth wave, it was 81,600. Now, the current list is too long. We need to get it down, and we're working on doing that. But the reality is, this health system has gone through an unprecedented global crisis, the equivalent of five winters in the past two years. And the impact on patients has been much less than it might have been thanks to our dedication of our health workers. As the pressure from COVID eases, the system is showing tremendous resilience and we're pressing ahead on our commitment to improve access to care, including the Alberta Surgical Initiative. The goal is simple, to get the wait list down and keep it down so that ultimately we can give every Albertan the scheduled surgery that they need within clinically acceptable time. This was a big commitment even before the pandemic. It's a goal that no province has ever reached. COVID-19 has stretched out our timeline, but it hasn't changed our commitment. We're already pressing forward, building on the work that we started before the pandemic. We're identifying new opportunities and accelerating the work wherever we can and we'll have more to say on this in the coming weeks. In the meantime, COVID-19 is still with us. Dr. Hinshaw and her team continue to work with AHS to monitor it to ensure we can respond to anything the virus may throw at us. So once again, I would like to thank them and their teams and all healthcare workers for continuing to go above and beyond to provide quality, compassionate care for Albertans. So thank you, and I'll now invite Dr. Hinshaw to, to make her report. Thank you, Minister, and good afternoon, everyone. This is our first week transitioning from daily to weekly reporting. Due to this transition, the numbers shared today include four days, Friday to Monday. 
next Wednesday and every week going forward, our reporting period will cover seven days from Tuesday to Monday of the following week. As I mentioned last week, information will be shared at weekly media availabilities and posted online. When you visit the statistics dashboard at alberta.ca, you may notice that some pages look different or that some information is no longer there. We have consolidated some data to ensure we continue to provide the most current and relevant information to Albertans and that it's presented in a user-friendly way. Turning to the numbers, the leading metric that is most useful at this time is our positivity rate and between Friday and Monday, this ranged from 20.6% to 27.1% with an average of 23.5%. As the Minister mentioned, there are currently 956 people with COVID-19 in hospital, including 56 in the ICU. Sadly, since Friday, an average of five deaths per day related to COVID-19 have been reported to Alberta Health. These individuals were between the ages of 54 and 94. This is a reminder of the fact that this infection is still a significant threat to many of us, our families and our friends. It's important to take this seriously as we move into activities we haven't done for a while and consider how best to support those around us to mitigate the risks. My thoughts are with anyone who has recently lost a loved one, whether to COVID or any other cause. We have had many questions from Albertans about the BA2 subvariant of Omicron that has been in the news recently, and I'd like to share what we know so far. First, it's important to remember that many viruses constantly change through mutations. This is to be expected, especially with a virus as transmissible and prevalent as the one that causes COVID-19. This is why, since the start of the pandemic, we have been actively monitoring the genetic code of the SARS-CoV-2 virus in the province. This has helped us to understand how the virus is evolving in our population and to detect the arrival of variant strains from outside the province. As we've seen over the last two years, some variants emerge and disappear without large impacts, while others persist and become dominant, like Delta and Omicron. Currently, all COVID-19 cases identified through PCR tests are screened for variants of concern and our variant screening and sequencing for genomic surveillance picks up variants and subvariants, including BA2. As of March 21st, approximately 60% of positive cases are BA2, so it is now the dominant strain of Omicron in the province. Although inherently more transmissible than BA1, so far there is no evidence of it causing more severe disease than BA1 based on clinical data from South Africa, the United Kingdom, Denmark, and Ontario. While this is good news, we only have to look back to the fifth wave to see that a virus that is more transmissible can cause a large impact at a population level, even if the risk of severe outcomes are the same or lower for individuals. Therefore, we should expect to see transmission trending upwards in the coming weeks meaning that those at risk of severe outcomes should revisit their precautionary measures and those who have not yet gotten their booster dose should do so as soon as possible. This is particularly important for those who are 65 or older or those who have medical conditions like COPD or diabetes that put them at higher risk for severe outcomes. A booster now will provide important added protection in the coming months. 
I also want to speak briefly about fourth doses. There have been a lot of questions about whether we will be expanding eligibility for fourth doses to those who have had their third booster many months ago. We have taken this question to our Alberta Advisory Committee on Immunization several times, and their advice so far is aligned with the National Advisory Committee on Immunization, which is to offer a fourth dose at this time only to those with significant immunocompromising conditions who had a primary series with three doses. Our data from the fifth wave showed that three doses in other groups continued to provide a high level of protection against severe outcomes. There has been much discussion about data from Israel and the U.S. on fourth doses, and while we are watching this closely, it is also important to remember that vaccine series spacing in Canada used a longer interval between first and second doses than was used in these other countries. We now know that the longer interval provided a higher level of protection, and it is not yet clear how that plays out <coughs> over time. I've also heard questions about those who got AstraZeneca vaccine last spring and then received mRNA vaccine with a final dose more than five months ago. There are questions about whether this particular group should get a fourth dose, and this question was also taken to our advisory committee. At this time, the recommendation for this group remains the same as for others. Those who got AstraZeneca and then one or more doses of mRNA vaccine more than five months ago are not recommended to have additional doses if they have already had a total of three doses of vaccine. We continue to monitor the evidence very carefully and to listen to the advice of our provincial and national advisory committees. We will inform Albertans of any changes to fourth dose recommendations and eligibility whenever they are made. Regardless of what variant or subvariant is most prevalent in Alberta, we know that we have tools at our disposal that have served us well over the past two years. The most important thing each of us can do to limit the spread of COVID-19 is to get the protection that vaccines offer. If you or someone you know hasn't received all the doses you're eligible for yet, please do so today. Vaccines are widely available across the province and the majority of locations are offering walk-up appointments for adults and youth. More information is available online at the Alberta Vaccine Booking System and the Blue Cross list of locations with vaccines. Another critical step we all need to take is to stay home when we have symptoms. With that, I would like to remind Albertans that there is a substantial supply of free rapid tests available at pharmacies across the province. Just check the Alberta Blue Cross website to see which locations near you have them in stock and pick up several boxes to have them on hand in case someone in your household feels sick. Remember that with rapid tests, if you are feeling sick, it is important to take two tests 24 hours apart if the first one is negative. It's also important to stay home and away from others until you are feeling better, even if both tests are negative. I know we all wish we could forget about COVID-19 completely, but unfortunately, it will be with us for a long time to come. We can support each other to take steps to balance the risk in our own lives, remembering that our actions also have far-reaching impacts on those we don't know. Thank you, and we're happy to take questions. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw and Minister. Uh, no one in the room here with us today, uh, but a couple waiting on the phone, so we'll go to the first uh, caller, please. Mark Giuliani, CTV. 
Hi there. Uh, this is a question for Minister Copping. It's unrelated to COVID, but uh, we're just talking about dental care in the province. We're wondering, what does the province think about expanding to universal dental care, starting with use as announced by the NDP Liberals federally? How would it be rolled out at a uh, provincial level? Well, thanks for the question, Mark. Um, you know, I will be, first of all, we'll be interested to see what the federal government uh, will be putting forward in terms of the plan, and then we'll take a, a very close look at it. Uh, we do provide some support uh, for uh, dental, uh, for uh, low-income seniors uh, and uh, low-income individuals at this point in time. Uh, so um, there is a program we have in place. Uh, so we'll, we'll look to see what the uh, the federal government will uh, will put on the table. But I guess one one other comment that I'd, I'd like to make, and this goes back both with the uh, the dental plan and, and the uh, uh, the pharmacy plan, is that you know our preference would be is having the. Uh, federal government be a, uh, a partner in funding, uh, providing the funding, so we don't have duplication of the programs, and that we can work together to uh, to fill the gaps. Thanks, Minister Mark. Do you have a follow up? Nope, that's good. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, Mark. I think we have just one other caller, so we'll go to the next and last one, please. Chair Comedina, Global News. Hi, this question is for Dr. Dina Hinshaw. Thank you for taking my question. Um, so I'm wondering how many cases that do you believe there are in Alberta? Previously, during the height of Omicron wave, you said we were about catching one in ten with testing so limited. What do you estimate the virus numbers truly are here in the province? It's difficult to give you a specific number. We have uh, worked through the serology results that we got from the samples taken in late December and early January. And so comparing those serology samples with the case numbers prior to uh, sort of mid to late December, which is the um, what would have been captured by the, the timing of when that serology was taken, uh, that did validate that estimate of approximately 1 in 10 at that point in time. It's likely that that ratio has changed given that it was after that late December timeframe that we changed our eligibility for PCR testing. So it will quite certainly be uh, a greater gap than just one in 10, but what that estimate is, is very difficult to say. We anticipate that we will have our updated serology data uh, in about a month to be able to um, understand what that actual number of cases is. But again, um, it would be greater than uh, that ratio of one in 10. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, Sarah, follow-up question? Yes, please. Um, I'm also wondering when it comes to the COVID drug uh, that uh, COVID patients could take. I think it was, I believe, if they were unvaccinated. I'm wondering if we, like, what kind of, um, what we've seen with that so far and if you know how many people have actually taken it at this point. I'd have to get back to you about the number of people who have taken the medication. What we are doing is we're continually looking at our own data and uh, looking at the evidence to determine who's most likely to benefit from the medication. The evidence that was used to license the medication is really focused on those who have no vaccine, um, given that they are at the highest risk of severe outcomes. In addition to that, people who have been vaccinated but have severe immunocompromising conditions are also eligible for treatment independent of how many doses of vaccine they may have received. And there is ongoing discussion about any additional eligibility criteria that we may look at in the future uh, as emerging evidence 
arises, but again, um, right now it's being offered to those at, at the highest risk for where there is specific evidence. And we can follow up afterwards with the number of how many people have accessed treatment. I should just make a note that there are two different treatments that are available. One is uh, citrovimab, which is a, an antibody treatment, and another is Paxlovid, which is the, the medication. And so part of the assessment process is to determine which of those medications those who are eligible would likely benefit from the most. Um, and would encourage anyone who is at risk of severe outcomes and who tests positive for COVID to access the information available on the Alberta Health Services website about how to um, access the, the early treatment program. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. So we'll wrap it there. Thanks, folks. Uh, we'll ask the Department Communications staff, that's Alberta Health, to get back to you, Sarah, uh, with the answer to your question. Uh, and we'll see you back here next week for another update. Thanks, all.